A reading from Acts. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from Revelation. In the spirit, the angel carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Oh, 
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said to Judas, not Iscariot, Those who love me will keep my word. My Father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord As you can probably well imagine, I've spent the past few weeks reflecting a great deal on Father Murray, one of my predecessors here at Church of Our Savior. Some of you knew him much better than I did, although I got to know him over the past few years. We would get together for lunch, compare notes a little bit, And it was a blessing to always see him out and about. Often, I would come driving into town in the mornings on weekdays, and I would see him out running in my early years here, later just walking, but he was out and about. And somehow, just seeing him there was a great comfort. If you can believe it, I came to Church of Our Savior over 12 years ago, and I remember thinking as I came here that I was following in the footsteps of very long-tenured rectors, Father Murray Chief among them. He was here for 30 years, and I thought, my God, that's a long time to be in one place. But now that I'm almost 13 years in, I think that is no time at all. If I can say this without, I hope, tooting my horn too strongly, When I was called here, I was one of two finalists in the search. And I remember the senior warden at the time saying, I was chosen because there was something about the way I interviewed that suggested I had a dream for this place. And I admit I did, and I still do, just as Father Murray did, and in a profound way, still does. Father Murray oversaw the building of the education wing. His father was rector here that built this building that we're in right now in a day when there was a lot of church building going on. Reg, incidentally, went on to found another congregation in San Rafael. 
And when his son came in to be rector here, Reg would come back and help out with pastoral care. It was a bigger parish in those days. But there is something that Muriel, Murray's beloved wife, um, for over 60 years, said to me once that has always stuck with me. She said, in confidence, of course, the confidence of the dead is something else altogether. She said to me, you know, the thing about Murray was he never felt he was quite successful here. Which said to me several things. It talked to me about the overall decline of congregations across the church. Because if you were to count heads, indeed, Murray probably left this parish smaller than when he came to it. He came to it in its heyday at the end of the 1950s, when, you know, there were literally dozens, if not over a hundred kids showing up for Sunday school and summer programs. On the other hand, Murray had walked with this community through thick and thin, through all the tumult of the 1960s and the transitions of prayer books, the rise of the ordination of women. Incidentally, one of the women who was raised up for ordination is preaching this afternoon at the memorial service, Nettie Rivera, who is a beloved friend and confidant and is now one of the bishops of the church. She was taken under Murray's wing very early on. She's been friends with the family for 40 years. Why do I digress this way? Only, only to tell you that the dreams of this parish haunt me, just as they haunted my predecessors. And our dreams are never quite big enough. Never quite big enough. Because God's dreams are always greater than our dreams. And our dreams collectively for this community are greater than any rector's dreams. But I suggest to you this day that Murray, now in greater life, dreams on for this place, just as he did on this side of death, as do I, as do I hope all of you. Because today's readings are all about dreams, We, of course, have that beautiful dream, that vision from the book of Revelation about the glorious new Jerusalem. It has been suggested that if we begin scripture in a garden, we end in a city, the new city of Jerusalem being given by God for God's people. That glorious vision given for a people who were suffering persecution, incidentally, towards the end of the first century. People in tiny communities scattered throughout what is modern-day Turkey, struggling for existence and under severe persecution from the Roman authorities at the time. John's gift to them is this vision, this hope. And so if there's an overarching message of revelation, it is not hellfire and brimstone. It is persevere and have hope. Dream, you might say, as I have dreamed for you. On the other side of that, written around the same time, is the book of Acts, where we have this story today about Paul getting ready to go into Macedonia. Now, Paul has a dream, too. 
And it is perhaps one of the great ironies of the book of Acts, and one of the delights, particularly in our day and age, that Paul dreams about a man, and he crosses over into Macedonia and meets a woman. Isn't that good for the old patriarch, Paul? But it's also good news for us. Lydia is a great name in the Eastern Church. In fact, she is called equal to the apostles. Lydia seems to have been a woman of some means and importance. She was named after one of the ancient kingdoms on the western part of Asia Minor. And she was trading in purple cloth, which was the most expensive kind of cloth in the ancient Mediterranean world. Because it was so hard to dye that color, you had to have exactly the right stuff. Someone was pointing out in Bible study on Wednesday, it probably came from shellfish. And it was rare, and it was expensive, and only the wealthy could afford it. Lydia, Luke also suggests to us in today's reading from Acts, was what was called a God-fearer by some scholars. These were Gentiles who were at the periphery of the local synagogue community. They had not quite yet become proselytes to be converted to Judaism, and yet they were intrigued in a polytheistic society with this monotheistic tradition. And so she would have been familiar with the deep stories that Paul and Barnabas knew from Scripture, and she would have been acquainted with the customs. And obviously, she was practicing some of the Jewish traditions they knew because she was at the river to pray. Does that phrase sound familiar? I know it sounds familiar to the choir. She was there praying. And remarkably, she seems to be what was known in the ancient Roman world as a free woman, whether she was a widow or whether she was just an independent business person. It's hard to say. Maybe she was both, but she certainly had property, and she was able to make rooms available to Paul and Barnabas at her home without reference to any paterfamilias, to any patriarch, be it a husband or a father or a brother. Remarkable. But here's the most remarkable thing. Lydia, for those of us of European ancestry, could be considered our first spiritual ancestor because she is the first recorded European convert to the Christian faith. Paul's dream was about meeting a man in Macedonia. He met a woman and began the conversion of a continent. God's dream is always bigger than our dream. Which for me is blessed news. And it is the news that Jesus shares with his most intimate followers in today's gospel reading from John. Frequently in these passages in John that we hear this time of year, Jesus is talking about his departure, which is creating no end of anxiety for his first followers. But he is constantly reassuring them. Jesus is saying in the subtext, I, as a first century 
man am not big enough for God's dream. And so in the tradition this week, we celebrate his ascension, which means many things, but among them, it means that in a way, Jesus has to depart from us to become fully the Christ, which lives in all things and meets us in the face of all people and is in fact woven into the very woof and warp of the universe as a whole, the cosmic Christ, as one Bay Area priest has come to call it. The Great One, the Holy One, whom John told us at the beginning of the Gospel, through him all things, all things were made. More than that, Jesus talks about his departure, about making room, for the coming of the Spirit. Because there is more to be revealed. God's dream is still unfolding. For you, for me, for us together. And that's blessed news this day as we remember. It's Memorial Day weekend, an appropriate time to remember, right? But in our tradition, remembering is more than recounting or recalling. It goes to the real root of the word, remember. It's putting the body back together. It's putting us back together as a community and each of us as created in the image of God, remembering, putting us back together from all the disparate pieces that we call our lives, making us whole, remembering where we came from, and perhaps, even more importantly, where we are headed to that glorious city that is in God's heart. And even when our dreams seem unassailable, unavailable, and unreachable, we are reminded that God's dreams are even bigger. And all things are yet possible. Because Jesus has made room for the Spirit to lead us forward and is constantly making room in us for God's dreams to unfold. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.